and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Path 11 podcast. I'm very excited about our show today. We're going to be talking to the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about her first, and then I'm going to read off a couple of things to see if you can relate to some of the stuff that she works with on her with her clients. And it's all about our challenging childhoods. You all know I had a very challenging one uh, myself. And as I was reading this, I was like, Oh, yeah, Yep, haven't fixed that one yet. Or, oops, not that one yet either. But um, it was interesting to see. I think I've come a pretty long way, but I'm hoping that she can help some of you. So she is a transformational shaman who specializes in showing powerful, successful people how to take their success into the spiritual realm to find happiness and claim their full power and fulfill their purpose. She is also the founder of the Sacred Power and Purpose Mystery School, and that is offering programs that accelerate the path of personal evolution. She's also a host of the Spirit Sherpa podcast, and she's invited us on her podcast. That's going to be really cool. We'll get to be the ones that are being uh, interviewed. And uh, the Sherpa, the Spirit Sherpa podcast is your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. She has helped more than 6,000 people dive deeper into themselves to create a life where they are flourishing on all levels. Now, before I bring her on, I have to read a little bit of this checklist for you to decide if maybe you are still being impacted by your challenged childhood. So if this is you, you might want to contact Kelly after this podcast and work with her. Somehow the thought of being wrong scares you, like you are in fear for your life. You have to be right. And if it looks like someone is going to prove you wrong, you change the subject to one where you can be right. Does this one sound like you? You get more done in a day than most people get done in a week and you're exhausted by it. What's worse is that you don't even seem to get credit for it. Here's another one. You celebrate your success for about 30 seconds, if that, then you're on to your next ridiculously difficult goal. I'm raising my hand for that one, people. (laughs) All right, you wanna save the world, but somehow you can't even save yourself. Does this one sound like you? Even when things are going well, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. I lived in that state for quite a long time. You're terrible at accepting compliments. I'm happy to say I finally got that one down about three years ago. You live with a constant level of anxiety that most people would pass out from. Some people probably couldn't even live in that anxiety that you're holding. How about this? Does this sound like you? You strive for perfection in everything you do. Sure, you're demanding of others, but you're even more demanding of yourself. No matter what, it seems you're never enough. I tend to strive for that perfection. I'm admitting that. How about this? You're the person that everyone comes to, the one they rely on. But when you need help, there's none or no one to be found. And people even seem upset that you asked. How about this one? You won't ask for help ever. Does that sound like you? 
How about this one? You have extremely high self-esteem, but the concept of self-love just makes your brain go blank. Aren't they the same? Kelly says, no, they are not. And we'll do one more. If this is you, uh, I want you to contact Kelly. You get, you really get satisfaction. Okay, satisfaction in quotes, but somehow joy just seems to empty you. So I'd like to welcome our spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta, on the show right now. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, excited to have you. And um, hopefully you're going to help us maybe a little bit and give us some more understanding of ways that we can kind of begin to continually clean up our childhood here um, and our problematic childhood. And I just want to remind the people who are listening, if you guys actually want to see Kelly, you can head on over to Path 11 TV. The Path 11 podcast videos are free. So you can see who I'm talking to instead of just listening. But if you're cooking and listening, that's fine too. So, and then you can also see the website and where I was reading from. So Kelly, I would love to start off for you to let my listeners know a little bit more about your spiritual path. You know, what was maybe a little bit of your awakening? How did you know that you wanted to become the spirit doctor? And I'm also assuming that if you're helping people clean up their childhoods, you probably have begun that process and needed to clean up your own. And that's why you know how to help people do this work. That's exactly true. Okay, so <laughs> tell know, me more. Yeah, I talked to my 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 people, and they're like, "How do you know me so well?" And I'm like, "Cause I was you, baby. That's how I know." Yeah, <laughs> it's like this was all in my head too. So, uh, I actually didn't have some great awakening because my mother actually raised me in the New Age movement. I've been doing this stuff since I was five years old. She brought Est home when I was five. And if you don't know what Est is, it was a precursor to Landmark, if you have that reference. Um, And so, you know, I was raised on Seth and Ram Dass and Abraham Hicks and J.C. Knight and, you know, a a countless plethora of other people, uh, so much so that I don't even remember all of them. And Uh, you know, she sent me to psychic development classes, I was doing self hypnosis by the age of 10. And I was reading tarot cards by 12. And, um, you know, having psychic experiences in my teens, and, and there were just so many things, right. But uh, if you want to look at the turning point, it came at my Saturn return, Uh, I was 28, uh, as is typical for Saturn return. And my I just looked at my life and it none of it was what I wanted, right? I, I had a, a really gorgeous husband who I had been in a cold war with for years. I had a successful job that I had burnt out on in my first year doing it. I had uh, I, I had a big house that I had never actually wanted. <laughs> um, and I had a and and I was uh, hiding from my life by being by doing 40 hours a week. In addition to all of that, uh, other stuff that I was doing, I was doing 40 hours a week working uh, as the president of Habitat for Humanity. And I looked at my life and I went, okay, so I'm I have a successful business. I have a husband. I have a house. I have a dog. I have a, I'm a pillar of my community by outside. You know, I did the American dream checklist and I'm miserable. This is not working. And I raised my life to the ground. I just, I divorced my husband. I had him take the dog. I sold the big house. I sold the business and I moved out of state and started living with a bunch of people I met at the Renaissance Fair, who, as it turns out, were all shamans and magicians. And 
that stepped me. I, I had already started back. My, my ex-husband had been an atheist. And so I had stepped away from the spiritual stuff for that seven years. And I had already started stepping back into it before I met them. You know, I, I was doing shiatsu class and Reiki class and all of that. And then it was like living in the soup of it. And we were doing magic on a regular basis and we were healing each other and we were going to events and festivals and processes and retreats and blah, 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 blah. And the next 20 years were all about that. And they were all about trying to figure out how to get over all the stuff that had made me quite neurotic from my childhood. Um, mm. You know, my dad had been a rageaholic uh, my parents divorced when I was five, but that that was already set in place by then. I remember being three years old and pulling all the the. I ran into the coat closet because my dad was screaming at my mother, and I'm an empath, and of course we're all empaths who come out of challenged childhoods, right? And so I was trying to get away from the energy, and I ran into the coat closet, pulled all the coats down on top of me, and hid, trying to get away from the energy. So um, that was all all there even after they divorced. And my mom was an alcoholic and she wasn't, a, a, you know, abusive or, or even, you know, I mean, she was negative, but that was just her thing. She wasn't negative at me. Right. But she was absent emotionally. Right. right. And that, that, that takes its toll. Mm -hmm. And we were military. So we moved every two years. And so I had no consistent friends in my life. So I had no consistent emotional support structure. Right. So that was my challenge childhood. And I hear from people all the time. They're like, oh, but it wasn't so bad. And it's like, you know, it doesn't have to be terrible for it to have a major impact on you. Right. And, you know, I've talked to therapists who work with people who have been really traumatized, like kidnapped and kept in basements for months and years. And every single one of them always says, yeah, but somebody else had it worse. Okay. So it, it doesn't matter if somebody else had it worse. Your trauma is your trauma and it's valid, yes. right? And that's the thing that, you know, I, I need people to understand is if you saw any of those symptoms, if those, if more than one of those symptoms is you, then you had a challenged childhood. Okay. And you may not be aware of it because some of my people have no idea. They're like, I saw all these symptoms and I don't think I had a challenged childhood, but you were made the scapegoat or you were gaslit into thinking that it was okay that you got the behavior that you got and that you had a loving family who was over demanding and overly critical. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's, there are ways that we, we twist our experiences, but the results speak the truth, which mm -hmm. is if this is how you're feeling, then this is what was. Right. Yeah. 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 And I'm so glad that you said that because, you know, I've said that to a lot of my clients sometimes have sat across from me and they have said, God, I feel so bad. You know, um, I'm saying this, but I know that there's probably somebody out there that had it worse or that they were beaten and, you know, and, and I didn't have that experience, but yet I'm still, you know, have all this anxiety and PTSD. And I have given them the same message that you just gave. It's like, you don't want to minimize your experience. Sure. There's people that have it worse than you, less than you. You, but your experience is your experience and you cannot minimize that impact. Um, you know, it sounds like you and I have um, 
some similar yet different things, which is why I can relate to a lot of those checklists. You know, I know that my audience knows that, you know, I was brought up to my parents had divorced when I was young. My mom struggled with alcoholism and addiction. We weren't military, but I think I moved 13 times in my life before 10th grade. Um, and some of that was due to her addiction and us, you know, moving from one apartment to another. She's going into rehab. I have to go live with this family. I got to come back. You know, it was just, you know, really intense. And uh, some of the things that remind me of that checklist, and I want to give it as a resource to people, it reminds me of the 13 characteristics of adult children of alcoholics. I don't know if you've ever have read that, but I remember uh, when I was in therapy, a therapist had said to me, well, you know, you're you're so loyal, but your loyalty runs to the wrong people. Um, have you ever read this checklist? And I had already gone through grad school, right? I have my master's degree. And I was like, the 13 characteristics of what? I was like, no. And then I went and read that. It reminded me a little bit of your checklist, but they had since changed it that it's no longer adult children of alcoholics, but adult children of dysfunctional families. Yeah. And that it doesn't have to be alcoholism yeah. or have a parent that has drug use. It can be the parents who were the workaholics and or, not yeah. there. You know, it could be witnessing domestic violence. It could be experiencing sexual abuse. It could just be having, you know, caretakers that had their own terminal illness and just weren't able to be there. Or that they are overly demanding and overly critical and that you're yes. good enough no matter what. Exactly. Or that they really just didn't want you there. And mm -hmm. they made that clear or they resented yeah. you, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you talk about your Saturn return. Um, yeah. I was married for seven years in my twenties and right before the 30, I go through my divorce and uh, the therapist that I had, uh, had some background in astrology. She goes, how old are you again? I'm like, I'm 28. She goes, Oh, Saturn's returning. Yep. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? And, uh, I was like, okay. She's like, hang on. So I did. Yep. Um, yeah. So really interesting. I see so many parallels between what you had just said. So, all right. So, you've cleaned this up, you know, you've worked on it. And uh, now you're, you're meeting with all of these people from the Renaissance Fair, you're diving into all of this training. And I know that you also work a lot with um, your shaman. So you have a lot of shamanic techniques that you yes. use, and you use the word magic a lot too. Yes. You see that on your website. Um, so can you go into a little more detail about how you begin to help people who come to you with these similar issues in childhood and help them find their power? Like what techniques are you using? How are you working with people? Okay, good question. Um, first, let me define magic, because that's going to be helpful. Uh, magic is the uh, focused. Oh, wow, that just went away. <laughs> the, the application of focused intent, right? So it is uh, taking an energy and putting it out with an intention associated with it. And, and you really being clear and quiet and focused as you're doing it. That's all that magic is. It is nothing, you know, uh, there's nothing nefarious about it or, you know, whatever. It's, it's a tool like a hammer, right? You can use it to build a house or you can use it to knock somebody over the head. You know, you're, whatever you use it for is what it does. It's, it's neutral, right? And so we, we talk about it from a metaphysical perspective, which is a very neutral, no, no religion associated with it thing. Um, so when I say magic, what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, here, you're taking your sense of power, right? 
we we all have personal power. Some of us have more access to it than others. And and some of us think that power means domination over, right? I can can I can manipulate you to do this. And for those of us with control freak tendencies, which is most of us who are, have had challenged childhoods, um, we we are master manipulators and we need to own that. <laughs> um, and and that's a version of magic. But it's it's a twisted version of magic because you don't believe in your own ability to keep yourself safe, right? So the work that I do with people is I work with them on reclaiming their power, right? So first we have to find emotional safety. That's step one, because until you feel emotionally safe, everything that remotely challenges your sense of reality is going to feel like an attack. Uh, and and we're like a soldier who's been on a battlefield for, you know, with. 48 hours straight with no sleep. We're going to shoot first and ask questions later, right? Everything that is perceived as an attack gets shot at. Bang, done. Better safe than sorry, right? And so we need to get you out of that mode. That's step one. We need to get you to a place where you can be, you know, reasonably able to hold discomfort, because no change happens without discomfort. You must leave your comfort zone. I, I ask my students all the time. I'm like, how uncomfortable are you? <laughs> if you're not uncomfortable, you're not doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Yeah. And so, so that's step one. And then from there, you have to go into uh, what I call solidifying the energetic container, also known as individuation, because we're all empaths. Right. We so what empath, what your empath skills are about is you have shoved your energy field out to the edges of the room, to the edges of the building, to some people to the edges of the earth, which is really not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a safety mechanism. It's we're and we're actively monitoring everyone who's within our field to make sure that we know when danger is coming. Right. That's what being an empath is. And so you have to learn how to manage your energy so that you can get people out of your energy field, because that way they don't impact you in that sort of way. Right. Um, It's energetic codependence is ultimately what it ends up being. Mm -hmm. We're talking ACOA stuff. So um, and so, you know, you have to learn how to manage your energy. You have to learn how to solidify your own energetic container. The thing people don't realize is that a challenged childhood actually creates a sense, it actually create, creates a deepening of our energetic container. People who have never been through challenging experiences have very shallow energetic containers. And the, the shallowness of the container means that they, they don't have a lot of energy to use to do work with mm-hmm. for, for doing magical working or being an energy healer or being a psychic or whatever. There's limits to it, right? The, the more challenges you've experienced and overcome, the more things you've survived, the deeper your container gets. But the deepening of the container also puts stretch marks and tears and holes in the container. And so you have to go back and heal the container. And so the process of healing that is is the individuation process. So you have to learn how to claim your space. I get a right to occupy space. I don't have to give, give way to everyone around me. You know, set your boundaries. Yes, I know you used to get to walk all over me, but not anymore, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Own your power. Yes, I get to choose my life and, and I don't have to take other people's opinions about it into consideration, right? Own your power and, and direct your intention, right? 
and internalize your sense of value so that you're not dependent upon other people's approval to feel happy and, and valuable as a person and learn to love yourself. And we hinted at this on the website, right? Which was the high self-esteem and self and self-love are not the same thing. High self-esteem right. says I can get out of bed and make, make a success of my day. And I know that about myself. Self-love says I have value and I am lovable when I'm doing nothing and mm. contributing nothing. And I know a lot of people's brains just went, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? What? I don't know. What? <laughs> right? Because that's what my brain did for the longest time. It was like, what? Right. Yeah. So that's a big one for people to wrap their heads around. But that five step process is the process of solidifying your energetic container. And then after that, you can start the work of digging out all the buttons that send you flying, right? But the reason that so many people do so poorly in personal growth programs is that they try to skip those two steps and go straight into, I want to dig out all the things that that's all the buttons that send me flying. And then they can't hold it because they get triggered because they're feeling defensive and they're not feeling emotionally safe, or maybe they get into an emotionally safe space, but they can't hold the energy of what it takes to do the work on the, the deeper issues because their energetic container is, you know, not solid enough to do that. And simple, simple tests to know if your energetic container is solid or not. If you have to, to make a big decision, if you have to build up a lot of steam, build up a lot of steam, build up a lot of steam, and then immediately pull the trigger or else it all just sort of, you know, drains away and you lose momentum. If that's, if that's how you make your big decisions, then you have a leaky container. Hmm. Okay. And if you are more slow processing, taking your time, looking at things, then the container sounds to be pretty, pretty safe. Like what would be the healthy version? So the healthy version would be, I can make a decision um, at, at any time that I choose. Mm-hmm. And I can hold on to it for as long as I need to before I pull the trigger on it. Gotcha. Right? So there's not that immediate impulsive rush feeling like, oh, this has to be done or else, or right. I'm afraid if I don't say yes to it now, this opportunity might not be there, you know, and or, maybe rushing into things. Yeah, it, it's, or I have to get everybody's opinion to tell me it's the right thing to do. And then I have to go and do it immediately or else even then I might not do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the other pieces being the bottom of your own priority list is another symptom. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when we don't immediately pull the trigger on things that are for us, they get deprioritized immediately and we'll never do it. Right. Right. So, yeah. And your, proce- your process, your five step process seem like the first three stages, right? People can work through, move through. I felt like four and five, like when you start to really getting into that in the last one, self-love, I think that is those last two probably have to be some of the biggest challenges before yeah. people, like you said, can really move through and work through some of that stuff. Because, yeah. you know, if they don't have that, it's going to destabilize them. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and you're right. The the first three you can get from other places, you know, there, and, and, you know, I mean, everything can be gotten from other places because, you know, I got them there. It took me 20 years, but I got them there. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and that's from somebody who's been studying it all my life. But um, the, when you get to own your power, that's when a lot of people really get stuck. Mm-hmm. And that's because they have this well of rage 
that they have not dealt with. And if you have a well of rage, you will not give yourself full of full access to your power because you're a good person and you don't want to lay waste to the world. And you know that you occasionally explode. And the more power you have, the more damage you do. And so that's something that that I see all the time, uh, especially in women. Uh, and there's also another piece to that, which is if you have used your power as a child in, in your formative years, and you did damage with it. Sometimes we have put ourselves on an energetic timeout, and we are doing penance for that. And my question to you is, how long do you do penance for something that you did when you were 14? Right? Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the idea is, oh, well, I can't be trusted. It's like, well, you put yourself in a penance state. So clearly you can be trusted because mm-hmm. you gave yourself a timeout when you made a mistake. Right. 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 People who can't be trusted are people who don't care if they did damage. Right. right. <laughs> Let's do the math on that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you a quick question, too. You were talking about people um, and uh, their their energetic, right? If they're an empath, that sometimes that'll go all the way out to the ends of the world. Um, do you find that those people that have their energy just completely spilled out to the world are the empaths that when they're watching the news or they hear something, they completely unravel with like the world events and it's just like, they'll start crying for somebody else's abuse. Or if they're seeing something on the news, it, I have because I'm thinking of two clients in the back of my mind where their whole life just goes away and then they cannot get this news story out of their head like for weeks and they're feeling for, you know, this child that was beaten or whatever the case may be. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. That, that sounds to me like um, two things actually. One is, is that they're holding the energy field out that I would say that the, the way to determine the differential would be if they are also not terribly effective in their own lives, because as we spread our energy field, we become more diffused and diffused and, and there's less of us with which to do our work. Right. And Mm. so if you are holding your energy field out that far, you're not going to be very effective in life. You're going to sort of stumble through life and hope other people help you out because you really don't have enough of your own energy to do anything with it. Mm. Um, They're likely also going to be energy vampires. They're going to be sucking energy and and they're going to be very needy. And, and, and that's a function of how they're holding their energy. Okay. Uh, The other side of that is what I see a lot with people is that sometimes they will get attached to somebody else's pain as a way to witness for someone else, what was not witnessed for them. Hmm. Beautifully said. And so, uh, uh, you know, at that point I say, okay, so you're really attached to this because you're not witnessing your own pain. Let's bring it back inside and let's look at what pain you're, uh, that you had, that you're associating with this person. It's let's witness that together. Right. Mm. Because that's the other reason why people get obsessed with a single story in my experience. So, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Gosh. Yeah. That could bring me to tears sometimes when you think about that, you know, it's like, um, you know, yeah, having our stuff being witnessed and sometimes it just isn't. And that makes so much sense. You know, what you just said, that was beautiful. Um, gosh, I, 
it, it's yeah. not even just witnessed by the outside world, although that's important. By, right. By ourselves. By ourselves. We're, we're in denial of our own pain. That's how yeah. we survived. Right. right. I keep telling people that, you know, look, your challenged childhood caused you to weave a tapestry of coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And then you wrap the, that tapestry of coping mechanisms around you like a safety blanket. And over the years, you grew, but the safety blanket didn't. And so now you're stuck in this rigid straitjacket of coping mechanisms. Hmm. And those were super functional in your dysfunctional environment. So, you know, go you for surviving your childhood. You know, really, they were super functional. But now in a functional environment, they are not functional. Right. And so the challenge is that people try and pull a thread or they try and undo it, but it's, it's stuck, right? And every thread you pull sticks on another thread. And so we don't get very far. And that's why you have to really just unravel it all at once. It's mm. the only way in my experience to make significant progress in a short period of time is to address it all at once, to really just unravel everything from each other and to be able to see the bigger picture. Because the other thing that the childhood experience has done is, is skewed our perspective, right? So it's like, we've learned to see the world, you know, with our heads down sideways on the ground and somebody else standing on our head. Right. And so over time we're like, okay, well we need to move, but you know, the foot may be off our head, but we don't realize that. And we're used to this perspective. And so, okay, well now I have to move. So I'm going to get a skateboard and put it underneath my face. And then I'm going to crawl around on my arms and my knees and hope nobody kicks me in the head or steps on my hands or my feet. And they do it all the time because Mm -hmm. they don't know we're on a skateboard. They have no idea that we're down there. And then God forbid a, a crack in the sidewalk comes up because we're like, oh my God, it's a crack in the sidewalk, right? And everybody around us is going, what's your damage, man? It's just a crack in the sidewalk. And we're going, but no, because we know the minute the front wheels hit, our face is going to get all skidded up on that, that non-skid surface. And the minute the back wheels hit, that's going to happen again. And we're just like, no. And they're going, yeah, okay. (laughs) Why don't you see me? Right. Mm -hmm. And and they don't know we're on a skateboard. Right. That's the other piece is being able to stand up and see the world the way everybody else sees it. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, let me be clear. Living your life on a skateboard has given you a lot of insight. You see a lot, you see up a lot of skirts. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's given you a lot of insight. So there's a gift with every challenge, Right. But it, you only get to really claim the gift when you have overcome the challenge. When you have, and when I say overcome, I don't mean throw away. You have to integrate it. Mm-hmm. You have to take the experience. And, and with trauma, all you're trying to do is just pull the extra energy out of it. You're just trying to pull the power that you've left behind in it back to you mm-hmm. so that it can become a memory like any other memory. Right. Right. It, it just needs to not be look, memory, heavy, heavy memory, and everything else is underneath, right? Mm-hmm. You need to just pull it down. And that's by pulling your power back out of it. By And you do that through a variety of, of paths. But yeah. yeah. So, you know, this is the, this is the piece of work that is, I, I, I'm, I'm floored that we don't teach anything about this in school. I know. I, I think know. the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's so many things that we could give such a great boost to people on if they were involved in, in a, in the school process. Right. And, and I used to go into the schools, you know, 20 years ago, I had a client of mine who ran a nonprofit who went into schools and, 
and she had me come in and do work with students. Um, and I just would see it. And I, I you, the, you could turn them around so quickly. It was so funny. I gave one, one group, um, I gave them the assignment that in the hallway, when they passed each other in the hallway, they were to look at each other and go, I rock. Right. <laughs> and, and that was it. And the other person was supposed to say, yes, you do. Right. That's it. Well, they, they dropped the yes, you do part. And they just did the I rock at each other as they walked by. And, and um, the, I got a call from the student's uh, guidance counselor a couple of weeks later. And they, she said, what did you tell the children? I said, well, I told them many things. What do you, what are you talking about? And she's like, what's going on? She said, well, they're all doing this. And I said, oh, well, that's fantastic. Uh, only in the hallways. Right. And she's like, well, yeah, but the teachers are scared. <laughs> and I'm like, why are the teachers scared? She's like, you don't understand. It's not just your students that are doing it. The whole school is doing it oh, wow. because they were all leaders. Right. And, and I said, that's fantastic. And she's like, but the teachers are scared. I said, tell them the answer is yes, you do. Mm. I said, all they have to do is say, yes, you do. It's positive mm. reinforcement. The average American child gets 437 negative messages a day wow. to three positive messages a day. Oh my gosh. Right. And, and that's how we can impact the world. You want to make the world a better place? Fix that. Hmm. Right? So were the teachers scared because all of a sudden they saw these children standing in their power and, you know, they were feeling empowered and maybe some of that energy coming through that they're like, uh oh, we're not yeah. authority anymore. They right. could really feel the vibration of, a th of their own authority coming in. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So um, I want you to also talk about how you can read a person's energy, because one of the services that you offer is a pretty in-depth energy scan. Yeah. And I know that when we were um, kind of communicating before we brought you on the Path 11 podcast, I was thinking, yeah, I want to bring you over to Path 11 TV and maybe you can do this. And you're like, oh, this is like intense and it's it's a long process and it's not something that can just be, you know, done. Let me scan your energy really quick. Um, so I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about that. If any of our listeners wanted to contact you to have their energy scanned by you and read, like, what do you see? What are you looking for? Um, you know, I know that you already have the gift of second sight. And, you know, that's something that's been developed in you for a very long time. So uh, when you are working with someone, how is that gift of sight coming to you? And what are you able to see? So let me explain the process. And first, I'm going to say that um, I don't generally do the energy scans anymore. My 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 coaches do. I have a team of coaches that I've trained on this. Um, and, you know, so it wouldn't be with me, but I'll give you the, the process and this is how they do it. Um, and the way it works is that you send a tendril of energy out. I, I would send a tendril of energy out and I would get access to your energy field, right? So permission based, right? And I say, oh, just make a little Kelly sized hole in your field so that I can get in. And I'm, I'm really using a lot of my empathic abilities to do that um, because I'm feeling into the space, right? So, so I do, a, a first thing I would look at is the aura and the aura is uh, sort of what's going on with you right now right? It's a picture of where you are and how you are emotionally, right? And then from there, we'd look at 
each of the chakras individually, uh, tell you what the blocks are that we're seeing in each chakra, how those blocks are likely playing out in your life. And exactly uh, if there's a quick fix, we'll give it to you. If not, then we will wait till the end to talk about it because sometimes we see a big picture sort of forming, you know, many blocks are related to other blocks and things like that. The average person has yeah, somewhere between nine and 15 blocks that we'll find. Um, and, you know, many of them are related. So there's usually two or three major themes that, that come out of that. And then we give you a, ro a roadmap on what's the most efficient path to clearing these blocks. Now, when I talk about blocks, I want to just say this. Um, well, before I do that, let me, let me, uh, say that I'm also connecting with my guides and your guides as part of this process. And so the, the information that we're getting will come with visuals and with, uh, you know, connection points and things like that. And so there are 35 major blocks that we specifically look for because I did like 3,500 of these things over the last eight years, 10 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so I found that there were common blocks that everybody had some of, mm -hmm. not everybody has, nobody has all of them, but everybody has some of them. So there, we, we look for all of those. Right. And then whatever else is given to us by our guides as we were working is what else we bring to the party. We look at your inner child. We look at your identity. We look at how you're connecting to the universe. We look at how you're running energy. We look at how well you're grounded. We look at, um, are you willing to be heard in the world? Are you still living in some uh, childhood, uh, childlike behavior patterns? Are you, um, you know, what's going on with you creatively, energetically? Are you dealing with addictions or attachments or uh, things like that? What's going on sexually for you? We look at every part of the picture, you know, how are you relating to your family? How are you relating to your, your friends? How are you feeling in terms of your own safety? How's your manifestation process going? You know, are you able to manifest effectively? And if not, why not? You know, all of that is covered, which is why I said it's an in-depth process. Yeah, it, it takes like a it. Yeah. minimum of forty-five minutes. Um, and and you know, we we come in saying, "Do you know what the chakra system is, or do I need to tell you what each one does?" Mm -hmm. And is this still a good time? And do I have permission to come in? And that's all we let you say in the beginning, because mm -hmm. we want you to know that we're reading your energy field. And it's always done over the phone, not over video. Because mm -hmm. we want you to know we're reading your energy field, not your micro expressions and your body language, right? Right. And we will talk for 45 minutes to an hour straight after that. Mm -hmm. And just do the whole thing. And people say that they listen to these things like 8, 10, 12 times mm -hmm. after they've Heard, been through the training we, or through the, the scan rather because um, we've recorded for them and they'll say that on the eighth or 10th listen that they'll hear something they never heard before. Mm. It's like, yeah, you weren't ready to hear it yet. Weren't ready. Right. right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, it's pretty, pretty intense and that's, it's also very exposing. So I would never do it on a, on a, on a, in a public forum because right that would be, that would feel really not safe for the person receiving it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the, um, the, when you think about blocks and I just, I want to say this because so many people are like, Oh, I have to clear all my blocks. <laughs> and it's like, Okay. First off, no, you don't. <laughs> okay. The, 
stop thinking of your blocks as things that are in your way and start thinking of them as lessons that all have gifts for you. Hmm. Okay. Yep. That's a good reframe. Yep. And, and what I tell people, because we do this work with people all the time, we won't let people do an energy scan more than every six months. Mm -hmm. And only if you're on a super accelerated path, like we'll let our students do them every six months. But unless you tell us, you, you know, that you're really on a super accelerated path, you only get to do it once a year. Mm -hmm. and, and that's because it's not going to change. And I don't want you to waste your time and money. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but when it changes and you do clear an entire level, you, you're not done. You just reveal the next level with its all new set of blocks and, and challenges and, and gifts, right? All these lessons and gifts that you have to, to learn for this stage, right? I see this all the time on the spiritual journey. You know, people are like, but I did that. <laughs> you know, there, there are these spokes that we work with. And each of these spokes are, are, are major issues, right? And there are major teachers, right? Mm. And so, and, and our, our, our path is a spiral into the center. And the spokes come out from the center. And so every time we come around and we meet that spoke again, we learn something at a deeper level. And in the beginning, you fight it because you're like, no, I did this work. I worked so hard on it. I did it. I was done. Right. Yep. <laughs> and mm -hmm. There's like this, this little temper tantrum that we throw because we didn't want to do it again. Right. Yeah. And the faster you can look at the spoke and say, ah, oh, hello, old friend. What do you have to teach me today? Right. The faster you can process the, the work, because it's if you just accept that it's not a process of getting done mm -hmm. and process of getting present. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And that's the difference is, is people want to throw away their pain, but your pain doesn't go until you get present to it. Hmm. Right. And yeah. so when we get present, we get our power. When we take responsibility for what has happened in our lives, we take our power. Mm -hmm. Right. And with responsibility, you know, and granted, things happen to you, right? But 10% of life is what happens to you. 90% is how you react, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that was Buckminster Fuller who said that, but, but it's true, right? So yes, 10% of life happens to you, but that 90% that is you. That's your response, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, and when we take responsibility for our response and for the part we played in whatever it was that, that happened to us. And that part may be, I was there. <laughs> that part may be, uh, yeah, I kind of did that. I kind of caused that. Right. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. It can be anywhere in the, in the spectrum. Right. Um, but when we do that with great responsibility comes great power. Peter Parker had it backwards. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay. So, and when you're present to it, that's when you can move it. When you're living in your future self of, oh, I'll be happy when, or, mm. you know, oh, I have to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or if you're living in your past of, well, it's, you know, my parents' fault because they suck and blah, blah, blah. Then, you know, you have no power. Right. Because you're not living in the space where your power exists, which is right here. Yeah. Okay. Yes, well said. Yes. I remember I had one of those tantrums. I was going to my healer and she had said, April, the work is never done. And I was I said exactly what you said. I'm like, 
I, I am so done talking about this. Can we just like talk about this? And she's like, April, exactly what you said. April, you've cleared layers, but now this layer is coming up. And yes, we need to talk about it because you're never going to be done. And I remember I was so mad that day. I was like, I just want to be done. But then I surrendered to it and realized, okay, this is going to be an ongoing thing, just like you talked about with that spiral. And that's okay. Um, all right. So I wanted to give you an opportunity too before we finish here. You are getting ready to redo your website. Okay. So what people, you know, see actually when this comes out, it might be done, but you are launching something very new for people. And I want you to let people know what that is. Yeah. It's, um, it's very funny because it's, it's new to the world, but it's not new to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been quietly doing this and just not telling anybody. <laughs> um, but it's a, the sacred power and purpose mystery school is what we are going to be changing the home homepage of the website to. Uh, the programs that I've been teaching have been part of it all this time. It's just that you didn't find that out until you got later on in the process because you know, some people wanted it and some people didn't. And I've just decided to come out of the spiritual closet a little further and say, nope, this is what I'm doing. So uh, it's basically Hogwarts meets Tony Robbins-ish. <laughs> so it's a huge amount of personal growth and development stuff. Uh, and we just talked about all of that combined with magical training. And, you know, teaching you how to do metaphysics and how to manage your energy field and how to how to set up your own sacred spaces and how to protect your house and protect yourself and set intentions and use your energy to do your personal growth work. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I tell people I won't teach them heavy duty magic until they've gone through all of the personal growth work because you're not safe to do magic either for yourself or for anyone else um, until you've done that work because uh, people who have not claimed their power have not internalized their power and internalized their sense of value and learned to love themselves. Those final three pieces that we were talking about, if you haven't learned to do that, you will seek your power outside of you in trying to, to gain more power magically. And that's what takes people down dark, destructive paths. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm very careful about uh, making sure that people are ready before they get the deeper level work. Yeah, good, good ethical principle. Kelly knows where it's at. Okay, that's a really great sign of somebody that understands energetics. Um, and that is important. So you should always ask somebody that you're working with those kind of questions of what she just covered. So she's got a nice ethical background here. I love it. Um, so as we're looking at this website, and it might be different when you know, the podcast cast comes out. You do have a discovery call. Um, you have online programs, one-on-one -on -one sessions. Are you still going to be offering that or are you just kind of going to this, um, you know, academy that people will sign up for? The online programs are already the academy. They're already, They're already the okay. mystery school. Yeah. So there are, there are steps one, two, and three of the mystery school. Gotcha. Um, and as you see them on the page right there. And um, the boundaries for empaths over there on the right uh, th that was on the homepage. Th this is the first page there, the Inner Peace 101. But um, the, on the right here is the boundaries for empaths uh, box. And that box uh, is a free download that you can get. Uh, I don't know where it will be in the new redesign, but it'll be somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also in my Facebook group. If you want to go to Spirit Sherpa by Kelly Sparta, it's in the Facebook group there. So if you can't find it on the website, come to the, the podcast uh, group on Facebook. And um, the five simple steps 
to break free from a challenged childhood. Uh, it is not going to be on the homepage, but it will be in the, it'll be somewhere else. So if you really want that, that's a, that's a webinar that, that covers a lot of stuff. So um, if you want that and you can't find it, I don't know where it's going to be. So, okay. <laughs> you know, reach out to me and, 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 you know, you know, email me at Kelly at Kelly Sparta.com and I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link to it because I don't know where it's going to be. We're redesigning the entire homepage right now. So that's exciting. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening, Kelly spells her name K E L L E. So uh, that's important too. When you were looking for her website, um, the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta, K E L L E, you can Google that and you will be able to find her and uh, check out her podcast. You guys love podcasts. So uh, you might find something over there. She's got a lot of episodes. I think you had said 125, 28, 125. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah. you know, she's downloads. So man, lots and lots of work you're doing. Good for you. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. It's been a pleasure to have you on the path 11 podcast. And, you know, we would love to invite you back onto path 11 TV. Probably we'll have you sometime, maybe 2021. And, uh, you know, for our listeners, as you guys know, we have the path 11 TV network. We are trying to have people like Kelly come on once a month, um, hoping to broadcast that on the 11th of the month, just to honor our number 11 here. And uh, Kelly has in mind, um, we're still working on it, but she might be doing a ritual and a ceremonial blessing that when you're watching, you can participate in and be able to reap the benefits of that beautiful type of ritual and ceremony. So I think that would be really, really cool um, for us to watch and to have her do for the Path 11 TV. So Kelly, again, thank you so much for your wisdom, your insight, and, uh, you know, just thanks for raising the consciousness of our world and doing the work that you're doing. Thanks, April. It's been great to be here. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that show. And don't forget to head on over to path11tv.com. Grab your annual membership for $59. Remember, that is 40% off the regular price. So I really want you to take advantage of our launch deal of $59. You get over 75 hours of content that we have on there. So head on over to path11tv.com. Take advantage of the annual membership. All right, guys, take care.